0: Hello and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HFMA's podcast with its current president.
1: Yes, welcome everyone. We're so pleased to have you join us. Today we will be diving into some strong legislation impacting healthcare in Oregon and the U.S.
0: As this is the president's podcast, we are joined today by Oregon HFMA's 2020 through 2022 chapter president, Tammy Kuhn, who will be providing us with important chapter updates and healthcare trends in Oregon. Tammy, thank you for your leadership. We are so happy to have you join us today. Thank you, Jeff. Always happy to be a part of this podcast.
1: And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, pop some popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode, sit back and enjoy.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Johnson.
1: And I'm the other host, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by one of Oregon HFMA's diamond sponsors, Professional. Founded in 1933, Professional specializes in accounts receivable management services, offering two dedicated service lines, Professional Credit Collections and End source, Scalable Revenue Cycle Solutions. Professional aims to provide superior services that offer unmatched transparency with advantage of cutting edge supporting technologies. They're motivated by the goal of becoming essential to the organizations that choose to partner with them. Thank you so much, professional, for your support of the chapter and for this podcast.
0: (laughs) Tammy Kuhn, thank you for being with us again on this new episode of Imagine Amazing. I know that you work hard with all of the remarkable Oregon HFMA volunteers to bring the best information and education to all Oregon HFMA members.
2: Thank you. I'm always glad to be a part of this podcast with you and Kelly. There's so much happening daily in healthcare and I'm grateful to have this platform to be able to share these important topics.
1: Tammy, it has to be noted that you have been one of the chapters, if not the, one of the most longest residing presidents and of course had to serve two terms, got to serve two terms for the chapter. You've led it through the chaos of the pandemic when we were not allowed to meet with people in person. And now again, we've resumed being able to have in-person events. So I want to acknowledge you're truly amazing and give you an opportunity to take a few moments and share with the chapter and our listeners what you've learned while serving as president.
2: Thanks, Kelly. Uh, You know, I have to say our members are amazing. Um, Our chapter is very nimble. We're able to pivot quickly and still be able to provide that education to our members. And I love that our members during this pandemic still wanted to connect. Our volunteers are also incredible and I'm really appreciative of all the time and effort they have put in this last two crazy years. And our sponsors, they continue to sponsor us in the chapter and we appreciate them for their endless support. And I think the one thing I've learned is Oregon does not let anything like a pandemic stop us from doing online or ongoing education. So thank you to all of our members, volunteers and sponsors for hanging in there with us. And I'm truly blessed to have been able to be the chapter president for the last two years.
0: Tammy, thank you so much for all that you've done. The chapter has been so lucky to have you as president during these crazy times, like you called them. They have been crazy, and no one better could have led us through that. You have been truly remarkable.
1: Yes, Tammy, we feel so fortunate to have had you. And we thank you because you encouraged us to persevere and continue to offer remarkable education to our members and to help continue to bring us together through this very strange time so we know it hasn't always been fun we missed out on a lot of in-person events that we would normally have you missed out on some events as a president that you would have otherwise attended in person but you never let us down so thank you and just know that our chapter is better because of you
0: yes you've definitely set the chapter up for success as president and the enhancements you've made to this podcast are a big part of that and then of course speaking of the podcast because we're here right now you've also invited some special guests to join you today so will you please do some introductions and tell us more about your guests
2: i would love to so i'm excited for today's guest on the show if anyone's read the news lately, you're going to see that there's a lot of national, state, and local legislation and regulations that are being mandated on a regular basis, particularly in not-for-profit healthcare. Seems to be the biggest focus of these mandates. So knowing this, I've invited some of our friends to join the discussion regarding these regulations and share some insights that will hopefully help navigate these new healthcare waters. So, joining us today is one of Oregon HFMA Platinum Sponsors Professional, which includes Professional Credit and Endsource. And they are Lisa Kirk, who's Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Professional, and Justin Murray, who's Associate General Counsel for Professional. Welcome, guys.
1: Yes, welcome, Lisa and Justin. And wanted to give you two a moment as well to tell us a little bit about yourselves, your industry, and then maybe a fun or interesting personal fact.
3: Hi, I'm Lisa Kirk, and as Tammy mentioned, I'm the Vice President of Sales at Professional. Uh, Fun fact about me is that I am a past president of the Idaho chapter of HFMA and incoming Regional Executive for Region Ten, so very involved with HFMA as well. Thanks for having me. Oh, congratulations!
1: Very exciting.
4: And uh, I'm Justin Murphy, uh, I'm the Associate General Counsel at Professional Credit. I've been, uh, been here about five years, been in the industry about 11 years, and I am currently the uh, Washington Collectors Association president.
0: That's so awesome. We're really excited to have both of you join us today on the podcast. Um, the very first question we have for you uh, along these regulatory items is the following. What are some of the new regulations regarding healthcare accounts and debt collections that have recently come out that we should be aware of?
4: Well, where to begin with that? There <clears throat> is a, a number of, of different regulations. Luckily uh, for Oregon, there's not been anything state specific um, very recently uh, on healthcare, but all around Oregon has been very active. Uh, nationally, we have the No Surprise Billing Act that recently went into to play where some out-of-network services still must be billed at in-network rates. And um, a, a notice process has been put into place there. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of Regulation F. Uh, you know, it's, the CFPB put that out as part of uh, you know, amending the uh, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act or amending the rules around the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Uh, and, and that's definitely had an impact on health care. Um, your neighbor up in the North Washington just passed a bill this session a couple of weeks ago that increased charity care to 100 you know, um, percent. I guess no charges. You remove 100 percent of the charges if you're at 200 percent of the charity care, uh, the poverty level. Uh, and you have to offer some form of charity care up to 400% uh, of the poverty level. Uh, California uh, last fall uh, passed a bill that not only did the same thing, uh, raised the charity care limits to those same amounts, but also required an extra notice from the hospital to a patient before they could assign it to a debt collector or um, sell it to a debt buyer. And uh, among the things that have to be in the letter, uh, the dates uh, and or the, the date range of services provided for uh, what's going to collections. Uh, the dates you were, you provided them with the charity care application. If they responded, the date you received the response, uh, the date you made a determination, what that determination was. Um, there's a number of, di- of different things there. I won't go into all of them, uh, but even more difficult than that, that is, when you do sign it, assign it to a collection agency, you have to give that letter you sent to the patient. I think it's commonly been called the goodbye letter now. And we, as the collection agency, have to send your letter along with our letter um, uh, to, to a patient. So they're getting a lot more paperwork, a lot more information. And uh, one of the items that uh, is required to be sent is a charity care application. So you're sending one one more charity care application before you send it to collections. And then we're attaching that to our own letter. Uh, so I, I think there's a scenario where we could be receiving charity care applications and forwarding them on to you as opposed to collecting the debt. So uh, that, that's a big change. Uh, another one in California, it's not hospital specific, but will affect debt collections, uh, Senate Bill 531. And that is a new notice that we have to put on all types of debt on our debt collection letters, uh, telling them that they can request certain information such as the original contract, uh, itemized billing um, uh, statement. And part of that law says we have to have access to the contract and all the billing statements prior to our first uh, letter to a patient. So you'll probably have many collection agencies reaching out to you to say, hey, we need, system access or we need a streamlined process to request these uh, patient intake forms and consent forms and you know uh, financial agreements and, and, and all of those things um, Idaho the Idaho Patient Act uh, has now gone in into effect uh, New Mexico has passed a law where if you are found to be an indigent patient um, you cannot use a collection agency. You cannot send it to collections. Um, What else? Just recently the CRAs, um, the credit reporting agencies, they on their own, this is not a law or a regulation, but they just decided that they would not report um, any medical debt in the future that is either below $500 and is within a year of the, the when the patient was considered delinquent. So whenever you bill them, they have a time to pay, that time passes, they're now delinquent. Then a year from that point, the CRAs will not be accepting any trade lines uh, for their credit reports.
0: Oh, Justin, I was just counting as you were talking and I'm already at eight. <laughs> what, well, do you want me to
4: go into Nevada?
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> one more. So, this, uh, Nevada also
4: passed one uh, this past year with new notice requirements. And uh, it's been, it. that's actually currently under a, cha- uh, a legal challenge uh, as being unconstitutional because it's in direct conflict with Reg F as well as uh, an existing Nevada law that's already on the books. Uh, I don't want to go too into the weeds on that one, but uh, just briefly, Nevada has a has a law where you, we have to give them a notice that says, hey, if you make a payment, you, uh, you restart your statute of limitations, you admit you owe the debt, you waive certain uh, defenses in a legal action. And the new law says, well, none of that is true for the first 60 days. N- none of that happens. But if you make a payment on day 61, all of that is still applicable. And so finding a way to not confuse the patient when we send them a notice that says both of, both of those things is, is a challenge.
1: Yeah, Justin, that is a lot of really good information. And part of what I think is so valuable about this podcast is just getting some help, staying on top of all the different regulations and impacts. And and it's not something that's just turnkey. A lot of these regulations do require that we are organized and thoughtful in our approach and that we get staffing that, can handle these administrative burdens. So it's really nice to hear. And as Jeff always reminds me too, it's also really helpful to hear what's happening in our neighboring states because it, it means this is what we could expect in Oregon too. So very nice that you're you're sharing just outside of our region. So thank you so much. And I think the question for me is, as we think about all of these uh, implications to healthcare organizations, what would be your biggest advice for healthcare organizations on, on how they can be best prepared for these? Well, Kelly, I think you you touched on it when
3: you said the administrative burden. I mean, there's a lot more burden being put on the healthcare providers to make sure that, one, you know about these regulations, and two, that you have the staff to be able to prepare for them. Um, Justin mentioned California, the goodbye letter. That's a big undertaking for those healthcare organizations in California to meet all of the requirements of that letter and then make sure that they can then send that letter to their collection partner. Because as Justin mentioned, that letter also has to come from the collection agency, not only from the healthcare provider. So they should be receiving it twice. So how do those healthcare providers make sure that they not only take care of all of their daily tasks, but then these additional administrative burdens for the regulations. And we know that revenue cycle staff staffing is down 10 to 15% across the country. So you are all short-staffed and you're having to take on this additional burden. So that's a lot uh, for the healthcare providers. Not only that, but you also have the remote workforce. And so getting this additional information out to your staff and making sure that they're trained and aware of it uh, is, a, is a big uh, uh, burden on your teams. Um, there's a cost associated with that as well. So, you know, it wasn't that long ago, we were all trying to go green. And now all of a sudden there's a lot more paper going out to the consumer. And so that cost is there for healthcare providers and also for the, the agencies that they partner with. I think that's most, I don't know, Justin, if you wanted to add any more.
4: Uh, you know, I would just stay on top of your, whoever you have as your government liaison person whoever talks to the trade associations, the hospital and medical associations, and uh, maybe make make a, a weekly, monthly, you know, bi-monthly, something like that, just a regular check-in, not, not necessarily a long meeting, but say, hey, what what are you hearing from the associations and you know whoever you talk to for your 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 legislative information? What's, what's in the works? What do we need to know about? What should we be prepared uh, prepared for? Um, because that's a, a lot of it. The the associations are on the front line negotiating these bills in the legislature, on behalf of the hospitals, um, saying what they have issues with, what they're willing to live with, and then that you know trickles down to you know, whoever the contact with the association is for each individual hospital, which then trickles down to operations, which you know then you guys have to start getting that in place and. You know, sometimes there's a very quick turnaround. Uh, the two California laws, uh, 1020 in particular, that, that regulated the hospitals, that was signed uh, in the latter part of October with an effective date of January 1. So you had barely over two months to not only deal with surprise billing, which came out, and then I think California had a state surprise billing law at the themselves. They also had to figure out this, how they were going to craft this new letter and then get a copy of that letter to the, the collection partners. It, it, it was not a lot of time. And you know, I don't think legislatures always understand the burden and the lead up and how much time you need to make something you know in practice work.
1: You know, so. Justin, as a healthcare provider, I all of that resonates with me. And I hope that our healthcare leaders really heard that message of the importance of connecting with your government relations department, I couldn't agree more because often it is revenue cycle that's most impacted by these regulations. And Lisa, you're absolutely correct that the people who are responsible for operations of daily activities, are then pulled into trying to, in a very short timeline, implement these new workflows to accommodate the regulations. So it has a direct impact on revenue cycle. And yet our government relations teams are the ones that are representing us and trying to make changes. So for them to have a close relationship with revenue cycle leadership and a full understanding of that administrative burden and what's required to get it right is absolutely crucial. And, I appreciate it. that's excellent feedback the only other thing too to remember in terms of additional costs is some of these do also have penalties so in addition to the cost of bringing them live we need to also consider that if we don't do it or we miss the mark that there could be further cost and penalties if we're not staying current so thank you really good feedback.
0: that's great insight kelly thank you for sharing that and justin lisa as well uh, i know in a recent podcast kelly we were just talking about lisa's comment of the cost to the healthcare industry and you hit on it as well and it's we were talking about the builds that went into actually the software itself right increasing that and then if it changes you have to undo the build that you just did and you have to remember to do that and impact is huge across all platforms so i think this is a very valuable discussion i i really appreciate you guys sharing your insights i know Justin, you hit on it as well you're very involved with governing bodies throughout the united states watching those trends that are going on so a question that we have for you is what are some of the discussions happening on Capitol Hill and at some of the state levels that we should be aware of. What do we expect to see in the near future for healthcare?
4: Well, um, well we just saw the no surprise billing, both at a federal level and at a state level in California. Um, you know, Oregon is sandwiched in between California and Washington, with both uh, just recently passed bills increasing the charity care. Um, you know, there, there's been a big increase on you know, making sure people know about the financial assistance programs. Um, you know, New Mexico's law was targeted at that. Um, California's law was targeted at that. Washington's was targeted at that. Uh, that's been a big discussion here in the pandemic was the cost of the medical debt and the burden of the medical debt. And so making sure people know that they have the charity care application. I think that's one reason why California said you have to send them one last charity care application before it goes to collections. Give them that one final shot. Uh, I think that is a, a big trend. Um, the CFPB mentioned something about credit reporting in a press release and then shortly thereafter the uh, credit reporting agencies made this determination to increase the threshold of of what they're going to report and the time frame of when they would accept it. So I, I think credit reporting is is a fairly big uh, piece. you know I know um, it was a couple of years ago now but Washington uh, passed a law that, Uh, extended the time before it could be credit reported. Uh, It also extended the time that a hospital has to wait before sending the account to collections. You know, it used to be, had to be a minimum of 60 days and they doubled that to 120 days. And then it was 180 days, no credit reporting after we received it. So that is 300 days of no credit reporting in Washington, even before the credit uh, reporting agencies built this new 365 uh, component in. Um, the VA we saw change their credit reporting uh, internal policies, and, and the CFPB sent out a press release about that, saying this is a model and a precedent that that all hospitals should follow what the VA is doing. Uh, so you know, I think those are those are a couple of big trends. Notice a, a final charity care application attempt, credit reporting, and then you know most the the other thing we see in these laws is another notice requirement, whether that's the hospital sending one final notice that, hey, you're going to collections. Uh, or we have to include additional language as a notice for, hey, if you disagree, go back to the hospital and apply for charity care. Or you can request all this itemized stuff from us. And we have to stop our debt collection process to go back to the hospital, retrieve it, and send it to the, send it to the patient. And it's not just the old um, validation period under the FDCPA where it's the first 30 days after you send them a letter. Is now you know Washington, we have to send it as many times as they ask for it. Trying um, uh, to remember, I think New Mexico had the law that said that you only have to provide it once every thirty days, but they can keep requesting it, and you got to keep providing it. So you know, additional notice requirements is is a big is a big thing.
3: And Justin, you and I have talked about this a lot. Of it seems to be trending towards healthcare providers making it so challenging for healthcare providers to send accounts to debt collections that they'll just eventually choose not to because the burden's not worth the cost.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. I've not been able to get uh, anyone to say that out loud, but that is what it seems like. Yes.
1: Yeah. Great comments. I I think you might be right on that, Lisa. So We know that both your organizations have been very involved with working with legislatures in various states. And Justin, you touched on that and many state examples earlier. What would you give as advice for healthcare organizations in how they can best prepare themselves for these burdensome new regulations?
4: Well, as we mentioned uh, already, I think, you know, stay, you know, meet regularly with your government relations people and stay on top of, you know, and, ha- and make sure they're staying on top of their, their trade associations and what's going on, because that's one source of uh, information. You know, the trade associations are, are there on the front lines. They should be getting all this info. They should be you know, having a, a lobbyist and a lobbying team that prepares you know, little write-ups and summaries of the potential bills. They should be getting back to you in time so that you could have some input on those so that, you know, you know, so they're not just saying, yeah, we think our hospitals would agree to this, you know, maybe someone that's not necessarily government relations that's on revenue cycle can look at that impact and go back to government Mm -hmm. relations and say, you know, if this goes through, like all of this will have to change because, you know, sometimes the the people doing the communicating don't know all all of that stuff down the line. And so keeping that line of communication open is great. And if it's something really, really important, you know, there's nothing that stops you from reaching out to your own state or federal senators and state representatives and legislators. You know, write letters, get the invested employees to, to write letters and, and make phone calls because, you know, they get one complaint, they, they may knock it to the side. They get 30 letters on the same issue. You know, and they're going to go, oh, well, these are my constituents. I am going to take a look at this. I'm going to learn more information. I'm going to, You know, take the time to go talk to them and figure out what the concerns really are and how that impacts them. Because at the end of the day, if it's something that's provides an administrative burden on you to the point where, you know, employees have to be laid off or things like that for cost cutting, well, that's workers in their district. They will take that
0: seriously.
3: And I think also to add on to that is make sure that when new regulation is coming, talk to your partners early, early out debt collections, make sure that you're getting them involved and make sure they're aware of the new regulation and find out what their plans are to prepare for this. Um, Oftentimes there's going to be a new um, file build from the healthcare provider to the vendor partner. Um, There could be additional um, things that the vendor has to do on their end so make sure that your vendor partners are also going to be compliant with that new regulation by that timeline because like justin mentioned some of those timelines are pretty aggressive um, and and that can be a lot for for the vendor partners
4: that's a that's a great point lisa because uh, i will say i don't think i've ever talked with as many hospital compliance people as i have within the last six months uh, you know, in, in this industry. And, you know, we have to make sure we're on the same page with the hospital. So the compliance teams get together. Okay. We all know that this was what it means and what the process is. Then the uh, then the operations folks have to come up with, well, okay, well, this is the way to do it. And then, you know, whoever the, the technical guys who actually pass the information back and forth on behalf of the hospital and your, and your vendor need to get together to make sure their softwares connect. And, you know, what we receive is readable and you know those those kind of things and those concerns. So there's a lot of moving parts, and you know sometimes you get a year. This hey, this won't take effect for another year, and sometimes it's oh, this takes effects in sixty days. Okay, we got a lot to got a lot to do.
0: Thank you, guys. You know it's very interesting as you were speaking because you mentioned the impact on the healthcare providers and how they can prepare themselves, which is really being aware. At the end of the day. And the other piece that I looked up is just, and this is for our listeners. If we weren't able to send accounts from the healthcare side to an agency to help recover that money, I don't know if you know this, but it's billions of dollars that is collected every year by these agencies for the -hmm. healthcare providers, not millions. We're talking billions of dollars that is collected. So the impact on healthcare is huge. And of course, you know, anyone listening out there, if you happen to go to a doctor, that's going to be passed on to you as a person that's going to have to figure out how to pay the doctor. Because I just know that the cost is still there for the healthcare provider to provide that service. So um, it's just really fascinating. I wanted to throw those numbers out there for anyone listening, because the this is big. The impact is huge. And it's not just going to touch Healthcare providers, which that's what I think everyone thinks it's going to do. It's going to touch individuals throughout the United States, and it's going to impact the pocketbook. That's my take. Along those lines, that's actually a question that I have for you. What are your thoughts on the impact that it will have on the patients with all the regulations that are coming through?
3: for us, it seems as though this regulation is meant to make collections more clear for the patient, help them understand what they're being billed for um, and how they can resolve that account or ask questions if they think that insurance should have paid or that they don't have a balance. But what we found is it, especially in Regulation F, which of these um, of these uh, new regulations that Justin referred to is, is one that's been in the longest Um, and it, it makes it less clear. There are new requirements for debt collections on the validation notice. Um, It's not clear what, what is owing on this. So it's going to add to confusion in our, um, in our view, to what the the consumer actually owes. Um, some of the things that Justin talked about, you know, I can continue to ask more information. And I basically will never have to pay this account. We're all for making things more clear for the patient. We're all patients ourselves, right? So we want to understand because we know there's a lot of education that needs to happen when it comes to collecting from patients. We want to make it more clear so that we're not um, confused when we get that final bill. Um, but sending a goodbye letter twice and a financial assistance application from a collection agency adds more confusion for for a patient. So um, we think that confusion is is one of the side effects that is not intended, but is probably coming because it's regulators creating these new laws, not healthcare providers who actually understand how it works. Um, the No Surprise Billing Act makes perfect sense, but I think the implementation of it uh, is not going to be as clear for the patient. Um, Hopefully, there is less financial burden for these patients. The ones who should get uh, financial assistance will hopefully get that financial assistance because it's going to be offered multiple times. So ideally, it will be better for the patient uh, in the long run.
4: That's well said, Lisa. I think that is, you know, all the different disclosures we have to give and the copies of the letters, like you mentioned, can get confusing. Uh, I I think the thought behind these were, if the people who should get charity care will get all these notices, file for it, then the accounts that do go to collections will be more collectible. Uh, So it'll be a a lower number going in, but hopefully a higher clearance rate. Uh, But as with anything, as it first comes out of the gate, there's a lot of confusion and trial and error, and it'll probably be a little while before things are running smoothly.
2: Well, thank you all for uh, being on the podcast today. It, it was fascinating and slightly scary uh, to hear all of these new mandates and how they're going to impact healthcare today.
4: I actually had not sat down and counted the number of different laws. And then as Jeff was counting them, as I was rattling them off, I was like, wow, that really is a lot. (laughs) And I didn't even touch the East coast. I just stuck with what's out West. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah. Thank you both for joining us today. We loved having you here. And I think some really great information that you shared with our listeners. So really appreciate your participation. And Tammy, I wanted to transition a little and ask if you have any other chapter updates you wanted to give for our listening.
2: I do. Thanks for asking. So as always, we have a lot going on for our members of the Oregon HMA chapter. So you're encouraged to check out our chapter's annual conference happening at beautiful and amazing Salishan Resort at the Oregon Coast. Conference is scheduled for May 18th through 20th, 2022, and is one you definitely don't want to miss. And you know, this is a big conference where our president-elect picks a theme, and this year's theme is homecoming. So we hope to see you there.
0: It's going to be so much fun. Thank you, Tammy. And a special shout out to our guests. We really appreciate it. And it's nice to know that there's an organization out there that's watching these mandates and, and helping people navigate it. So thank you for joining us today. Um, today's information truly was awesome. And just as an FYI to everybody, I am already registered for the Salishan event, and I can't wait. It is my favorite event of the year. And if you're listening, please go online and check it out because you don't want to miss it.
1: Jeff, I'm registered too. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun to see everybody in person. So for our listeners, if you're thinking about it, register soon and book that hotel room before they, they book out. So hope to see a lot of our listeners there and hope everybody will take advantage of the information that was shared in today's podcast and join us for the upcoming events. Meanwhile, we'd like to once again thank everyone for joining us today on this podcast, and we extend the warmest wishes to all Oregon HFMA members. And again, give a special shout out to our amazing healthcare heroes who continue to work on making our lives healthier and happier. So thank you so much, everyone. This episode of Imagine Amazing is brought to you today by Professional, To learn more about Professional, please visit www.professionalcredit.com. Thank you so much, Professional.
0: This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us, and follow us for exciting content in 2022. Also, to learn more about Oregon HFMA, please visit us at our new website, which is www.hfma.org forward slash chapters forward slash region dash 11 forward slash oregon